Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning. Good morning, <laughs> Echo. In Echo, well, we're both so keen to get on because we were so enjoying that music that、uh, Annie from the Saudi Breakfast put on. That was、uh, "Exit Door" by Eva Popo. That、um, we were just listening to it, and then I went, "Giselle, we're one minute over." So sorry about that being late, but it was a very nice, relaxing song for a Saturday morning. Did you like, listener, how Pierre's in charge of the panel and yet blames me for us going to air late? Magic,、uh, magic, right there, Pierre. I'm not too <laughs> sure. I think I, I think there's some、um, um, I don't know what it's called, but I never actually blamed you. I said we, Giselle. But obviously, <laughs> some people are so egotistical that just think, <laughs> think anything and everything、Absolutely. revolves around them. But anyway,、I'm、we'll get back to the show. Guilty as charged, and、uh, because we've got a very、um, full program, exciting news、um, about what's happening in the region. But of course, if you want to know more, Australia、um, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worklinks and the contact details, Giselle. That's right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's dot a a w l dot org dot au. Drop us an email at a a w l at a a w l dot org dot au. Goodness me, we've <laughs> always forgot our、that. email address. <laughs> that's good.、Um, but we're on Facebook and Twitter, and actually, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with us. So look us up on those social media platforms and follow us, and follow the news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region. That's right. And、um, one of the、um, issues that we talked last week or the week before, when、uh, we did a bit of a review of、uh, the ACTU National Congress, was we touched on migrant, the issue of migrant workers in Australia. Well, obviously. It's not just an issue for、uh, and for Australia, and so this week we、uh, chatted with Adrian Pereira, who's the director of North South Initiative, a human rights organisation that works on labour rights in Malaysia. And、um, Malaysia、um, has got about twenty to thirty percent of its workforce are actually temporary migrant workers. So there are a lot of.、Um, Issues there, so it's actually、um, a very big、uh, issue. So、um, there will be an interview in the second half of the program, but we'll go straight to the labour up- updates from the region, Giselle. That's right, and we're going to kick off in Manila earlier this week. A picket line with dozens of Nutri Asia workers、uh, was violently attacked by armed thugs in Manila on their picket line. Dozens of workers were injured, with up to nineteen more taken away by the police for questioning. Workers at Nutri Asia, a company that produces food condiments, set up the picket line on the second of June after management fired around fifty workers, including the union leaders. The company had been refusing to honour a previous agreement to offer regular work contracts to eighty casuals. There's now an international campaign of support for these workers and a call to boycott Nutri Asia products. And we'll go to nearby to Thailand, where this week, in another staged、uh, and、um, media-friendly operation, seventy-four migrant workers 
were arrested um, in the latest edition that's of what's become a weekly photo op for promoting police raids on foreigners suspected of illegal activities. The nationalities uh, that were targeted this um, week were workers from Vietnam, Myanmar, Nigeria, Laos, Cambodia, China, India, France and Malaysia. These arrests are part of a police operation called Operation Black Eagle. At this week's news conference, the Thai police stated that the next target was going to be a group of Nigerian estimated to be 400 strong. <clears throat> well, just as long as you're targeting which races you're going after in your police raids. Um, last week, 1,700 contract workers working in the Tamil Nadu Rubber Corporation um, in their various estates across uh, India um, uh, 1,700 of those workers blocked roads in a continuing campaign for higher wages. The workers' union is demanding a 100% wage increase to a wage of around 350 Australian dollars a month, as well as more secure employment arrangements. Can you imagine how much they're earning if the demand is 100%, which only takes you up to 350? I think mathematics is correct. <laughs> there would be around $175, which I would say maybe a 500% increase. A large contingent of police moved in against the workers and arrested around 580 of them. The workers were released that same day and negotiations are still continuing. Well, we go now to a very similar story also in Tamil Nadu, but... Um, um, there's a slightly more positive outcome. This week, thousands of nurses in uh, the Indian state of Tamil Nadu won a 90% pay rise, which will see their wages rise to the equivalent of $275 a month. Um, that's thing you should have asked for more. This increase will be backdated to April of this year and will cover nurses working on a contract basis in primary healthcare centres, government hospitals and government medical college hospitals. In November 2017, around 3,000 nurses went on a strike demanding high wages, a eight-hour work shift and permanent jobs. Now, the state government is uh, also has said they're also committed to regularise the tenure of nurses appointed on contracts. And again, what this, uh, this news story shows is the issue of insecure work is really a scourge for workers all around the world. I, and, you know, I often criticise you, Pierre, for that. Do you? <laughs> well, I'm not a big fan of that hero worship kind of language that emerges in the left when we refer to workers on picket lines as heroes and so on. I mean, I regard it all as struggle and I, I don't like the cult of individual. Anyway, you know I don't like that kind of talk. But these workers in India, the Anganwadi workers, the nurses, the, these women workers who are so militant, I, they do just make my heart sing. I don't know how else to say it. A bit of hero worshipping there, Giselle. <laughs> That's why I preambled it. But I, do, I just I find them incredible. Yes, I agree. Moving to Turkey. Over three years ago, a major strike initiated at the Belasish Metalish, um, which is a union, um, that involved 38 different companies, was banned by the national government on the grounds that it was a threat to national security. Um, Belasish Metalish. That's pretty good, I think. Pretty good. (laughs) Thank you. Appealed to the courts to nullify the government's decree 
arguing that a strike in the metal sector could never be against national security. This week, Turkey's constitutional court ruled in favour of the union and the right to strike. Extraordinary, given what's happening in Turkey at the moment. It's unclear whether Berlusic Metalish will now try to organise a new strike. In a separate dispute... More than uh, 130 Yves Rocher workers that produce cosmetics for the global French Florma brand um, were fired on the 27th of July for joining the Petrolish uh, Industrial Union. Now, I just want to follow up on that story. Given that uh, the new government in Turkey has got uh, greatly extended powers, you wonder if uh, there'll be a, a new law coming around that issue. Now, um, Giselle, the next story has got a bit of a hero worship uh, uh, trigger warning for you. So <laughs> just, you. just just relax. Um, uh, this um, week, uh, Ahed Tamimi, the Palestinian teenager who was jailed for slapping an Israeli soldiers outside of her house last year, was released on Sunday with her mother, Narin Nam Tamini, after eight months in detention. Eight months for a slap. Um, Tamini, who was only 16 at the time of her detention, received a lot of international support during uh, this last year and has vowed to continue her struggle against the Israeli occupation now that, has she, that, now that she has been set free, stating that she had l- learned a lot from other Palestinian women prisoners, including how... Um, Oh, it's been cut here somewhere, the story. But um, anyway, I think the story went basically that um, um, she still um, regards that even though that she's happy, the fact that um, other Palestinian prisoners are in jail is something that she will continue to struggle. And she's learned how to um, uh, do better messaging as well while in in jail. So that's great to see. Yeah, she actually is, I mean, the entire circumstances, not just around her, but her family are quite extraordinary and the pressure that they're under and that they maintain the struggle in the face of that. In Israel last Sunday, the Al Alda, the leading boat of the Freedom Flotilla for Gaza, was hijacked in the Mediterranean Sea by 12 Israeli military ships. Reports indicate that most of the activists on the boat were roughed up or assaulted by the Israeli army. All of the international crew of 20 people were then taken in detention in Israel and deported a few days later, though the two Al Jazeera journalists who were on the boat are still in detention. The Al Alda uh, was attempting to bring in much-needed medical supplies into the Gaza Strip, which is sealed off from the outside world by a combination of Israeli and Egyptian militaries. A second ship, the Freedom, is expected to close in towards Gaza over the next week or so, also trying to bring in humanitarian supplies. And I've got a, 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 a slight fear that next week we'll probably be bringing in the fact that the freedom has probably been hijacked on the high seas as well. Yes, probably. Um, all right, that's the end of the news roundup for today. It's just on 12 past 9 o'clock here on 3CR Radio. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents, brought you every week by Australia's Worklings. We'll go to a community announcement and then we'll be back with the interview about uh, migrant workers in Malaysia. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t shirts, and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids and come in black, white, grey and a cool light blue. 
To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 94198377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. to the Ruby Hunter Foundation Benefit Concert at the Toad Hotel on Saturday the 4th of August at 8pm. Featuring a deadly lineup including The Bits, Dave Arden and the Cucamata Band, Carol Carpany, Will Coyote, Cluster Funk and The Seabirds. Alongside mystery band The Public Opinion 6. We provide culture for the future. Saturday 4th of August Toad Hotel, 8pm, a Ruby Hunter Foundation benefit concert, a 3CR supporter. It's just on uh, 14 past 9 o'clock here on Asia Pacific Currents on 3CR Radio. It's a lovely sunny day out there. And um, a few days ago, I was able to catch up with uh, Adrian Pereira, who's the director of North-South Initiative, a human rights organisation that works on labour rights issue in Malaysia and especially on um, temporary migrant workers. Let's start off with some numbers. How many temporary migrant workers are there in Malaysia, both documented and undocumented? So from uh, some of the latest statistics uh, released by the government, there's around slightly less than 2 million documented workers. And over the years, uh, due to many uh, factors, the number of undocumented workers we estimate somewhere between 2 to 4 million. And uh, we have a a Malaysian labour workforce of about 13 million, one tree. So we estimate that migrants are about 20 to 30% of the the labour workforce here. That's quite a um, big number for Malaysia. And we'll get back to talk about these numbers and what it means. But what are the main source countries of these migrants and what sectors do they mainly work in? We receive migrants from quite a number of countries. So a lot of workers from Indonesia. We have workers from Bangladesh, Philippines, Cambodia, South Asia, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. So it's basically our neighbours and also some coming from quite far like Nepal so it's a whole and now recently of course even China they were from China so it's quite an interesting breakdown of, of countries of origin and uh, the different sectors that uh, they are working in include the manufacturing uh, construction uh, plantation services and agriculture even domestic work so I think from the 80s itself, as Malaysia moved uh, into a very aggressive economic model, we kind of started bringing in migrant workers and the numbers have, have increased over the years. Yeah. And the issue of documented and undocumented, often that is a, there is a case of the workers may come 
uh, shall we say, legally or with the right paperwork, but because of the difficulties of all the visa system, they can easily become undocumented. Yes. So in our estimates, uh, we we feel that more than 90% of those who are undocumented came in through uh, the proper channels and along the way through some form of deception or some form of physical violence or abuse from agents and even employers, they kind of forced to to become undocumented or irregular. So we it, it's kind of complex because the whole geophysical or geopolitical uh, situation kind also encourages that kind of uh, labor migration. So if you look at the the trafficking situation itself, uh, we have always uh, been on a very bad record. Uh, for example, like the TIP report, which is uh, the trafficking in persons report, uh, we were just downgraded to tier two. So tier two watch list. So we have we when you put one and one together. Uh, there are so many factors that that cause this um, our migrant friends to become undocumented. In Australia, over the last ten fifteen years, has also opened the doors to temporary migrant workers, and not surprisingly, as as with many other areas of the world, the the wages and conditions of these temporary migrant workers are often much lower, and even in uh, semi-slavery. I would assume that's the same situation in Malaysia? Oh, yes. I mean, from the cases we have received and from our field visits, uh, the conditions are like really appalling. And uh, the precarious work that they have to do uh, doesn't really doesn't do justice to the, the migrants. And sometimes, despite the number of dead bodies that return, uh, which is quite alarming, we have dialogues with the different migrant communities and and some of them say that you know the, they they have been given false pictures of of what migration is about, and by the time they come here, it's too late. They've already ended up in a bonded slavery or bonded labor kind of condition, so they feel that they have no choice. But there's also a group of some migrants who who feel that they really are not able to get jobs back in their own countries because of land grabbing and various other push factors. So they are in a situation where they, it doesn't become a choice. It's more like they are forced to to find better livelihood uh, options and, and that causes them to migrate. Yeah. So for me, uh, when I, I, I really kind of question the whole uh, labor migration uh, system that has been set up. And of course, Malaysia being among the developing countries, uh, we have one of the higher GDPs. I think a big, big percentage of this was contributed due to the exploitation of migrant workers. But end of the day, and the sad part is, um, Malaysians don't don't kind of appreciate this the sacrifices, but instead are now blaming them for the whole wage the stagnation. To some of our listeners, it may even sound like you were starting to describe the Australian situation. <laughs> but <laughs> let's get back to, to Malaysia because there are, like you've, what you've just uh, described is that there's a, a huge sector or segment of the economy is propped up 
and developed and worked by migrant workers, but they face quite big periodic crackdowns. And this year has seen another wave of crackdowns. So why do you get these um, waves of repression against them? Migration has become very political, both globally and locally, uh, especially after the the Europeans started to question about the influx of refugees and people coming in mass numbers. So it, it became very political and and that somehow spilled over into Malaysia. So the as you know, we, we just had an, an elections, uh, a new government after 60 years of um, of a ruling political party. And, and just like every elections, migration is one of the issues that, that becomes quite hot. And in the manifesto, they actually put the responsibility of stagnant wages onto the migrant, you know, and they they come and, and, and they even want to reduce, uh, they state very clearly that they want to reduce the migrants' uh, numbers. So the, the moment, almost immediately, a few weeks after the new government took over, they started to, to have a bit more aggressive rates to round up the, the migrants, put them in a detention camp and send them back, deport them. So this is the cycle. It's quite a vicious cycle. It's very tragic. And that, that is going on now. So the from January to July, I think almost uh, the statistics is quite stag- shocking. About 22,000 undocumented workers have been uh, detained. And this was done through a series of raids and the immigration department claims to have conducted about 7,000 over raids from January. So it's a very politically driven agenda. And it's most unfortunate that uh, this is the the result of how political the issue can be. Uh, Yes, unfortunately, it probably wouldn't surprise you if I said that uh, it's a very political issue here and the the government here also uses this issue to divide the the working class or at least it tries and and to bring divisive um, racist ideology which often then uh, pushes a lot of these migrant workers even further into exploitative work practices so in, in Malaysia, what's the stand of the official trade union movement, of the Malaysian Trade Union Congress? The trade union in Malaysia, represented by the, the MTUC, so they uh, somehow have asked the government to continue the crackdown. Somehow they probably feel that, that you know, the law should be uphold. They somehow feel that the depressed wages are, are caused by the migrants, which uh, I personally don't don't see that as a reason because for me, even if you send back these two to four million migrants, tomorrow the whole capitalist system is still going to say that, that your wages are still going to be the same. And, you know, so I think they fail to see that, that angle of the political economy. But uh, at the same time, they have been dialogues with the migrant community, of course, to, to get unionized. And I think that's a bit out of a, a necessity because there are some sectors and even some industries where migrants are already uh, outnumbering the Malaysians. So so they, that's something more like a forced dialogue. You have to get them to be part of the unions. But uh, I think it's most uh, unfortunate, like, the, like as you said, this issue has been to divide 
instead of you to unite people. And for me, one thing that the Malaysian trade unions may not understand is the whole labor migration recruitment system, which is very shady and done in a very... So it's a whole industry. It's a multi-billion dollar industry itself. And, and they may not see how uh, agents and even uh, government officials manipulate the migrant workers into coming and then further exploiting. So, so while I personally disagree that migrants are the reason of, uh, for stagnant wages, I think there's still a lot of dialogue that needs to be done. I think you're very correct about the need for dialogue, but we would certainly agree with you that the migrant workers are the victims of the system. They, they, they're the one the most exploited and are not the cause of the, the problems. And certainly here in Australia, some of the debates uh, also happen, but fortunately there are some unions who are uh, organised quite strongly and there's now a bigger push to try and organise these temporary migrant workers which come on all kinds of visas. And mind you, I have to say, a number of them come from Malaysia to be migrant workers here. So as a last question, what does your organisation and what are the migrant workers themselves demanding for changes to this system? One of the urgent uh, requests is to stop the rates, which are ongoing and really treating migrants in a very inhuman and undignified situation to make sure that there's a proper economic assessment of of the labor needs uh, between the different industries and of course taking into consideration the, um, everybody's uh, economical need you know for for work to for livelihood so, so we're asking for a comprehensive policy towards the labor migration system and also to see how those who are undocumented can be given access to justice and even a mechanism to reintegrate themselves back as documented workers. But of course, uh, this needs to be done together with the, the local workers to analyze the whole global economic uh, situation here. Yeah. Well, that's certainly um, big uh, tasks that you you face uh, <laughs> ahead. But I think, as you've as you mentioned, alluded to, this is part of a global issue that I think, in many ways, our movements uh, are still split and have a very national or local outlook. When in reality, we need to take a much more global and international look and basically see. A worker is a worker, um, regardless of what passport they have. Yeah, totally. And that, that was one of my uh, immediate response when when the Malaysian trade unions made a statement to continue the, the rates because the solidarity built among workers shouldn't be based on your passport or your immigration papers. A worker is a worker. We all have our hopes and dreams. And somehow through the system, we became undocumented and that that shouldn't be the basis of of building strong associations and unions together. Well, thank you very much, Adrian, and we wish you and all your comrades all the best, and we'll certainly keep in touch to see how you're going and more power to the workers of all nationalities. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for the solidarity, and thank you so much. Hey, this is Nick Rampignard. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. 
subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. We've got about a minute to go on Asia Pacific Currents for this morning, and that was uh, interviewed we did a few days ago with Adrian Pereira, the director of North South Initiative, a human rights organisation that works with um, temporary migrant workers in um, in Malaysia. And that's really the end of the program. But we've got a quick announcement, Giselle. There but- is- yeah, there's a demonstration later this evening, five o'clock this evening, in support uh, with the victims of the Syria war. Um, so get to the State Library at five o'clock tonight. Did you want to say more uh, no, about no, that's that? right. I think you said more or less all the reason, especially um, uh, one of the issues that has prompted this. It was the um, release of uh, information that over seven thousand um, prisoners died in the in the jails of in Syria over the last um, seven years. Um, so that's 5pm today at the State Library. That's really all that we've got time. Uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Stay tuned to 3CR Radio, favourite community radio station. We'll be back next week, but we've got uh, Palestine Remembered uh, coming up um, soon. But that's we better get out of here. It's all from me, Pierre. And me, Giselle. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.